Our reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew. You can follow it on page 993 in our church Bibles. And reading from uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 to 14. The destruction of the temple and signs of the end times. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved." And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's just pray before we start on this passage together, shall we? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for truth. Thank you that it speaks to us about you. It speaks to us about us. And it helps us in these times to live for you day by day. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this passage is set on the Tuesday before Good Friday. Pressure is mounting on Jesus. The disciples will be feeling it. Uh, no longer the tranquil life or relatively tranquil life of Galilee. We're now in the pressure cooker of Jerusalem. Uh, and that's the heart of Jewish religion. And, and Jesus is surrounded by people out to get him. Uh, and that, you can imagine what that's like. He threatened <clears throat> the relationship between Jews and Romans, uh, which meant the Jews could keep their events, keep things ticking over, everything was fine. But Jesus had created a following, and that meant civil disorder. And the Jews were terrified of that. Palm Sunday, a great gathering of crowds. Oh dear, said the Jews, we don't like that overturning the tables in the temple on Monday. No, terrible, don't do that. Endless debates in the temple courts with leaders. No. So Jesus was stirring it. When he went in Jerusalem, he really was. And, and chapter 1 of verse 24 tells us that Jesus left the temple to go back to what you might call his Holy Week bolt hole, Bethany. He loved to go back there to Martha and Mary and Lazarus. About two miles from Jerusalem, about a 40-minute walk. And it's clear when you read this passage that Jesus was concerned about his disciples. 
the next few days are going to be harrowing. And after three days of listening and watching, he, he needs to teach them. He needs to get alongside them. And, and so we get this idea of Jesus teaching. If we have the next slide up, please. Uh, if you can see that, probably I can just about see it. Can you see it? Oh, great. If you go back to Matthew 16, what you get there is after Peter's confession of Christ, where he says, you remember this at Caesarea Philippi, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The very next verses, from that time, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, that he must be killed, and on the third day, he would rise from the dead. So he had been, from that time on, tells us that Jesus had been teaching them about his death and resurrection. He said, this is going to happen. It ain't going to be pretty, but it's going to happen. Now it's three days away from it. And they still don't get it. So what he does is in some ways quite surprising. He takes them further into the future. They'd had a past, a wonderful past with Jesus, seeing so much, they'd heard him teach, they'd heard him heal, seen him heal, they'd, they'd seen so many things that were exciting. Uh, and Jesus earthed it always in the past, in the, in the prophecies, in the words of the Old Testament. He said, I'm it, I'm the fulfillment of all that. And you guys have had a three-year past. You've had a wonderful experience. They, they still had him as a present, a presence that they would be with just for those few more days. So he gives them a future. And the future is quite surprising. As they climb the Mount of Olives, what do we get? Well, let's just have a look at a map to give you some idea of the context of this. I hope you can see this. Where it's sort of red and white striped, yeah, is, is the Temple Mount. And that's where they would have come out of, crossed the valley to the right of it, and up onto the Mount of Olives that you can see on the right-hand side of there. Uh, and Bethany was, was sort of the bottom right of the map. If you went a bit further down and out, I couldn't find a map that did all I wanted to do. So Bethany was just down and bottom right. And the view they would have got, next one please, um, would have been something like that. That's the view of the Mount of Olives where the great and good of, of Israel um, are now buried waiting for the Messiah. Uh, I did tell them when I was there that he'd already been, you know, but they didn't, didn't quite get it. Um, and that's what they would have seen. Now, turning back the other way, next slide, um, you would have seen that. There are the walls of Jerusalem, and there is the Dome of the Rock. But it, the Dome of the Rock wasn't there in Jesus' day, obviously. But what was there, next one, was this temple, Herod's temple. That's the building they're looking at as they sit on the Mount of Olives at the top of the hill, and Jesus begins um, to talk at that place. Now, this is the second temple, of course. There was the Temple of Solomon, and then Zerubbabel built it when he came back from exile. And Herod had just recently done a fantastic facelift. He really had got the builders in and got it sorted. It was a wonderful looking... They don't think it was quite finished in the time of Jesus, but it weren't looking too bad, and that's roughly what it looked like. So Jesus then begins to teach. And this is the, the fifth great teaching block in Matthew's Gospel. There are five of them. We've just done one earlier in the year. We did the Sermon on the Mount. That's the first one. This is the fifth one. It's all about future. And notice what Jesus does. It says they sat down. 
Now, any rabbi that really wanted to get some stuff into somebody would sit them down. They're called seated sayings. You can find them all through the Bible. So Jesus is saying, what we might say is, hey, guys, listen up. This is important. And his answer is shocking. Herod's facelift was very recent. It was the pride of the nation. Remember, he's trying to encourage the disciples. So he says, what's going to happen is that building is going to be totally ransacked. Can you imagine the shock? The building at the very heart of Jewish religion at this period is going to be trashed. And Jesus was dead right, because in AD 70, that's exactly what happened. And Jesus is saying, I think, something like this. Possibly do you trust too much in institutions, in buildings? Jesus said, trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And they're the lasting ones. This one isn't. It's going to go. And the disciples then say to Jesus, well, Jesus, take us on a bit further here. You can turn the slide off. That's great. Thank you. you, you well, let's go on a little bit. Look right to the end of the age. They say, what about, where's it, gonna, where's it all going to end? And he's getting them to think that future history will, will not go on forever. And friends, we should think this way as well. There's going to be a time when Jesus will return. And he's getting them to think that way. There will be a moment of sudden arrival. And as we are to live in the light of that, we are to do that. We are to think there will be a moment in history where Jesus says, that's it. We don't talk about it enough, do we? We should be longing for his return. We should be thinking, Lord, when? I don't tell my corny story, but I'm going to anyway, because just to bore you silly, because you've heard this so many times from me before. There's a friend of mine who used to get up in the morning and uh, used to open his window, and uh, he just used to look out. And he said, Lord, is it today? And that's what the Puritans who said, live in the light of his coming, were doing. Is it today? We should live in that light. We live with a past. We live with a present reality of God's Holy Spirit. But we also live with the future of his coming. And so we do what we can to make the gospel known. Because that will help the person who receives it. We do it because he's charged us to do it. Look at the end of Matthew's gospel and you'll see it. Go and make disciples. And we're saying here that Jesus is, is trying to communicate to these 12 people. It's going to be okay because there is an end point. There is an end game. Now, in verses 4 to 9, Jesus gives an outline of the world the disciples will live in. Remember, he's trying to encourage them to keep them going after he's gone. But he doesn't say it's going to be plain sailing. Jesus talks about deceivers and wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes and, and finally birth pains. Now don't worry, that's not just about giving birth. That is a, a common idiom for saying this is all the suffering that's going to happen before the birth of the Messiah. So it's not just about delivering babies. It's very much about everybody and the suffering that we will go through until the reality of Jesus dawns. 
But Jesus says, that's how it's going to be. Now, I guess some of us, if we were trying to do this, we'd be saying things like, uh, well, you'll be fine. Uh, you might meet a few awkward people. Uh, but most people will be happy to see you and just go out and tell people and everything will be great. That is not what Jesus says. At one level, this is quite depressing, but it's a very accurate description of the world we live in. There are many people who would try to deceive us about Jesus. There are many who've proclaimed a false gospel. We have a gospel that puts Jesus Christ as front and central. That's why it's so important we communicate it. That's why what we do here is so important to put Jesus front and center. Jesus talks about wars. And although what is happening in the Middle East is totally appalling, we should not be surprised. Because Jesus says that is what's going to that's what it's going to be like. Such things must happen until the end comes. In other words, those who wage war, the people who are perpetrating the stuff that we're seeing on our televisions every day, they will be judged. Fear not. They will have to give an account of their actions. And they may come on telly and justify what they're doing, but that is not what's going to happen in the end. They're going to have to face the Lord Almighty and give an account of their dealings and their doings. So Jesus is saying, with people who are sinners, full of pride and greed, conflict will arise. Don't be alarmed. Be angry when you see such gross slaughter as we're witnessing in these days. But pray that justice will be done to the perpetrators. And he also adds that natural disasters, famine, earthquakes, will also be part of that scene. It will happen. And Jesus is saying to his followers, to us, when you go out with the gospel, you will encounter a world where all is not well. It doesn't mean that every day will be full of tragedy. But you will, in the course of your daily life, have to cope with people who speak lies about Jesus, where there will be natural disasters, where there will be conflict. That, Jesus is saying, is how it is. Do not believe anybody who says you're immune from that as a Christian. You're going to be okay. Everything will be joyful. It's biblical nonsense. We are going to encounter trials, difficulties, and it's not going to be easy. Finally, Jesus makes it personal. There will be those who will encounter persecution, even be put to death, but you may say, well, that doesn't happen in the UK, obviously, but I'm sure you know there are plenty, plenty of places in the world where it does happen, where people are put to death for their faith. And from verse 9 onwards, he begins to outline these things. So if you don't believe me, join the prayer meeting for the persecuted church and you'll have enough evidence to keep you going for a very long time. He warns um, that people will turn away from their faith, others will betray False prophets will appear, and life will not always work well, and love will grow cold. Do you know people where that's happened? Sadly. And we all know that that happens. But we must ask Jesus 
why Jesus says all of this. Three days before he's going to be crucified, with a bunch of disciples who are beginning to get incredibly anxious and worried, and he tells them all this stuff. Because Jesus is a realist. And we must be realist too in this world. It will not be easy to spread the gospel. There will be opposition, real persecution. Some of you may know it already. But we must press on, it says, verse 13. We will be saved. We will, we will triumph. There will be an end. There will be something that comes that will bring us joy. Because verse 14 reminds us the gospel will preach and then the end will come. We will see Jesus in the glory of heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't that give you hope? There's going to be tricky times. There's going to be things we wish we could avoid. Let me just remind you as I close that history is not circular. What goes around comes around isn't necessarily true. Yes, there are repeating patterns. We were talking about this in our Sage's Coffee Morning on Friday. But there was a beginning when God created the world. And there will be a finish when Jesus returns. So how do we cope? Well, we realize that just as Jesus taught his disciples about past, present, and future, we have a past. We have a wonderful historical reality about Jesus of Nazareth, born of a virgin, died on a cross to overcome sin, rose again from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand, figurative language, yes, but back with his father in the place of glory, in the place that he has prepared to us, for us. We have a past. Earth your life in that historical past. It's a reality. It's verifiable. It's true. Jesus did those things. Jesus was those things. Jesus has given us a wonderful past. We have a present, not always easy, but the promise of God's Holy Spirit being with us every day, guiding us, directing us, giving us strength as we try to live in a world opposed to the gospel. Friends, that is reality. And God has promised to be with us every single second of every day because he loves us so much. And we have a future. We have a past, earthed in historical truth. We have a present reality of the Holy Spirit guiding and directing. We have a future on this planet. It will not be joy after joy every day, but it will be the promise that God's Spirit will be with us until the very day we die. And then, one day, with Christ, forever so press on don't give up be faithful do what you can trust God not necessarily institutions I say that carefully be fruitful trust in the God who saved you trust in the God who's with you and trust in the God who said you have a future and it's with me. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray.
Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. And although this passage appears to be doomy gloomy, teach us that it's Jesus being real with the men that he loved. And this is what he wanted to say to them in that pressure cooker of Jerusalem. And it's what he wants to say to us as we look at the six o'clock news. He wants to say, I'm with you. I understand. Those men will be sorted. Don't worry. And I'm with you until the end of days. And one day, you'll be with me. Right there in the place I prepared for you. Give us hope in these days, Lord, we pray. Help us to trust you for all that's to come. And guide us and help us in every way that we need. Amen.